Welcome back. Happy December 16th, 2020. Nike employs Colin Kaepernick. Colin Kaepernick is the face of Nike. Colin Kaepernick has become more famous standing up against racism in America than he was as a quarterback. In standing up against racism, he has denounced the police, encouraged people not to stand for the national anthem, and decried the history of America as racist, even selectively quoting pioneers of civil rights to have them be seen as denouncing America and her founding because of slavery. Nike does business in and with China, over $6 billion worth of business there last year. Last year, Nike even announced it was expanding its business in China. China employs slave labor, current or present tense. Not 155 years ago, when the part in America that had it ended, it, the part of America that had it, and the other part of America that fought to end it, and won 155 years ago. China has no 13th or 14th Amendment. I was going to say that China doesn't have a constitution, but they actually do. It's just not very much like ours. Indeed, here's Article 1 of China's constitution. Quote, The People's Republic of China is a socialist state governed by a people's democratic dictatorship that is led by the working class and based on an alliance of workers and peasants. The socialist system is the fundamental system of the People's Republic of China. Leadership by the Communist Party of China is the defining feature of socialism with Chinese characteristics. It is prohibited for any organization or individual to damage the socialist system. Close quote. It also has a preamble, a very long one. But in it, you find this, quote, the People's Democratic Dictatorship, led by the working class and based on an alliance of workers and peasants, which in essence is a dictatorship of the proletariat, has been consolidated and developed. Close quote. We too, here in America, have a preamble wherein you find this, quote, in order to form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, close quote. Not exactly anything promoting dictatorship or prohibiting opposition to socialism. And so at this moment, I should like to turn to this headline from the New York Times last month. Last month. I know, it's hard to stay on top of everything when there are really two main things the media wants to focus on. But there was this story. Headline, quote, Nike and Coca-Cola lobby against Shenzhen forced labor bill. Pay close attention. Nike used money it earned from its sales, sales helped by and promoted by Colin Kaepernick, to lobby against a bill in Congress. What was that bill in Congress? From the story, quote, Nike and Coca-Cola are among the major companies, business groups, lobbying Congress to weaken a bill that would ban imported goods made with forced labor in China's Xinjiang region, according to congressional staff members and other people familiar with the matter, as well as lobbying records that show vast spending on the legislation, close quote. 
You see, as the story goes on to report, quote, human rights groups and news reports have linked many multinational companies to suppliers there documenting Uyghur workers in a factory in Qingdao that make Nike shoes, close quote. Qingdao is in the Xinjiang province, the heart of darkness in China, where Uyghurs are disappeared or forced into slavery. Not 155 years ago, now, and for years. In a report published earlier this year out of Australia, a report titled, quote, Uyghurs for Sale, the opening states, quote, the Chinese government has facilitated the mass transfer of Uyghur and other ethnic minority citizens from the far west region of the Xinjiang to factories across the country, close quote. The report goes on. Since 2017, more than a million Uyghurs and members of other Turkic Muslim minorities have disappeared into a vast network of re-education camps in the far west region of Xinjiang in what some experts call a systematic government-led program of cultural genocide. Inside the camps, detainees are subjected to political indoctrination, forced to renounce their religion and culture, and in some instances subjected to torture. In the name of combating religious extremism, Chinese authorities have been actively remolding the population in the image of China's Han ethnic majority. Slave labor, persecution, forced indoctrination, and conversion. Makes me think, you know who would give their eye teeth to be able to go to a football game in America and stand for the national anthem? These slave laborers in China who Kaepernick and Nike profit off of and try to sell us on and lecture us about how bad America is because a part of it had slavery that was ended 155 years ago by another part of it. You see, it turns out the dictatorship of the proletariat is very rewarding to the actual dictators and profiteers off the revolution. Now, yesterday was Bill of Rights Day, helping us to better appreciate our Constitution. It wasn't that much on it or about it for our country and our founding is seen by the cultural elites as a down-market commodity. I'll tell you what a real and true down-market commodity is. Anything made in China by actual slave labor and any American company that spends millions of dollars to lobby Congress to take it easy on China's slave labor, all the while lecturing us and hiring spokesmen to lecture us on how bad we are because of how bad some of us, some of us, once were. And by once were, I mean in the age of what would be the generation of our great-great and great-great-great-grandfathers, if, if they even lived here in the 18th or 19th century. As for who we are today, if you are in the region of China, you don't have to look far Worried about Chinese incursions and repression, protesters in Hong Kong march and chant with American iconography and our national anthem. If we praise them and happen to be employed by the NBA, we are told to retract the praise for it may affect the NBA's relationship with China, which is the same relationship Nike has with China. Residents in Hong Kong, you see, know something about us, the NBA, and Nike doesn't want us to know, and that Colin Kaepernick either does not know or does not want us to believe if he does know. For there is a lot of money to be made off this revolution in China. You see, not the revolution of 1776, 
but the revolution modern-day China is based on and that its constitution speaks to. About that, there is a lot of money to be made. It reminds me a bit of Rhett Butler's line. You see, what people forget is it's just as easy to make money in the upbuilding of a country as it is in its destruction. And I suppose it's easy to make money off slavery today in other countries, so long as you denounce it having existed in America once upon a time, or part of America. Though it requires one more step if you're going to play this game. While ignoring its current practice, where you may make money, it is crucial that you point out that the lack of excellence here in America is due to the fallout and legacy of what ended here 155 years ago. That's the important part. You see, while we did end it here, long before we or our parents or grandparents were born, the negative effects still pervade here, we're told. Where it is now, active, live, kinetic is of no matter and no moment. In fact, it's worth expending dollars to make sure it keeps going. Meanwhile, we have one Joe Biden, ascendant, whose most famous quote about China is, quote, a rising China is a positive, positive development, not only for China, but for America and the world writ large, close quote. It's enough to drive someone mad that any of these people can be taken seriously, but seriously taken, they are. Now I see the ice cream company, the progressive ice cream company, Ben & Jerry's, has a new flavor with Colin Kaepernick's face on it. It's called Colin Kaepernick's Change the World, W-H-I-R-R-L-E-D. Ben & Jerry's, before you think it's a quaint little outfit in some cabin in Vermont, had $6 billion in revenue last year. But Change the World. It's an attempted homophone, but really just a cute way of saying Change the World, W-O-R-L-D. But to the progressive human rights activists and concerned corporate employees and owners of Ben & Jerry's, I guess the world doesn't include 20% of the world's population. You know, the world's most populous country, China. If they really wanted to change the world or stand up for human rights, they'd tell Mr. Kaepernick they'd like to have a licensing agreement with him for their ice cream, but would do so only if he stands up for the slaves and against the slavery in China. You see, slavery should matter because it's slavery. It should matter because it's now, with us, present, contemporary. And it should matter regardless of your race or religion or country. That's why we have institutions on human rights. Human rights. Chinese and Uyghur, last I checked, were part of that species called human. But I guess there's something now we need to get used to. Too big to care. It's popular to sing Imagine by John Lennon this time of year. I think we'd be better to sing his song, Nobody Told Me, with the lyrics, They're starving back in China, so finish what you've got. They're starving back in China, so finish with what you've got. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. Strange days indeed. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Your show today, 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind, happy to take it up with you. If you're looking for some entertainment that will lift you up and leave you inspired, I want to encourage you to go to SalemNow.com and watch Poor to CEO, the incredible journey of Herman Cain. Herman was beloved by all, and his rise from humble beginnings to the CEO of Godfather's Pizza included. And to add to that, a presidential run, a victorious battle over cancer, a great career in radio. Herman was an amazing man whose life embodied the values we strive to live and pass along to our kids and grandkids. Belief in God, power of personal responsibility, hard work, strong education, living each day with a thankful heart. Porta CEO is one of the most inspirational, entertaining films of the year, and you can watch it right now at SalemNow.com. That's SalemNow.com. Make sure to use the promo code PHOENIX and save yourselves 20%. Porta CEO, the Herman Cain's Herman Cain story at SalemNow.com. I'll tell you, I remember Herman uh, originally on the national scene during the uh, uh, Hillary Care um, uh, uh, process, first uh, first year of Bill Clinton's presidency when they were pushing Hillary Care at a town hall. Herman Cain stood up and got into it with Bill Clinton about the costs that it would impose on he and his employees at Godfather's Pizza. He became a hero then. Radios played that debate. A lot. And then, of course, uh, he just became more and more well-known in the fields of public policy. Really nice guy. Gosh, I, I spent a lot of time with him uh, because he would uh, work with us at the Bill Bennett Show. Just a nice guy. He'd walk in and just a big old smile on his face, always uplifting. Miss people like that. One of the great conservatives we lost this year. We lost too many. We really did. Um... There's a lot I want to do. I want to have some fun, too. It's the season for a little bit of fun. And uh, we'll we'll sprinkle some of that throughout the show as well. Bill has a list. Bill, my producer, has a list of things we need to uh, address that might enter the territory of interesting and fun. In any event, um, before we get there, we do have some serious things to go through. By the way, I'm, you know, I'm watching all this Hunter Biden stuff um, and... Journalists not really know, knowing what to do about it because they've really been, they've really been caught in a bad space by when the first when the story first came out before the election when the New York Post put it out. You know they were all about supporting the uh, censorship of that story. You know, Twitter blocked the New York Post, wouldn't let people retweet the story, and the media. The rest of the media, aside from Fox News, talk radio, Newsmax, the rest of the media was supportive of that. You have uh, you have audio of uh, the head of CNN saying we're not going to cover this story. You have a boatload of media saying this looks like a Russian disinformation campaign. Uh, none of them wanted to investigate it. None of them thought... I, None, none of them thought it was a good idea to have a negative story about Hunter Biden before the election. I have to tell you, I don't believe that they thought it was a Russian disinformation campaign. I think they thought it was accurate. How could you not think it was accurate? It was well-sourced, far more well-sourced than anything they wrote about the Trump administration or the Trump family. Far more. Do you remember how much time and air was spent 
it even led to an investigation by Mueller and Donald Trump Jr. testifying before Congress on a meeting, a 20-minute meeting Donald Trump Jr. had in 2016 before the election. I think it was the summertime, maybe June. Do you remember this meeting Donald Trump Jr. had with a Russian lobbyist, a female Russian attorney? He, he met with her for a total of 20 minutes, and he realized there was no point to the meeting and left. Mostly had to do with the Magnitsky Act, which has to do with foreign adoptions. Do you remember what a big story that was? If you go, it, it even that story even has its own Wikipedia page. It's called the Trump Tower Meeting. You get if you put in the Trump Tower Meeting, you get like 24, 25 million hits, stories about it. Do you remember what a big deal? Twenty minutes of nothingness, nothingness. You get the Hunter Biden laptop story from the New York Post fully vetted with a chain of custody of how the laptop came to be discovered. The repair man, owner shop of the repair store, owner of the repair store shop, on record, visible, voice, attorneys attesting to the chain of custody and how they got it. And then Tony Bobolinsky, not being interviewed by the mainstream media, interviewed by others, available and out there wanting to be interviewed. You had witnesses on the record, unlike anonymous sources tell us, anonymous sources tell us, unlike the Steele dossier. I mean, you had everything. You kn- I think they knew it was a story. I don't think they believed for a moment it was Russian disinformation. Not for a moment did they think that. Now they don't really quite know what to say with all these new allegations, these new investigations that are being unveiled about Hunter Biden. They don't know what to do with it. They're really they're really caught here with their pants down, but I think it's worse than being caught with their pants down. They have shown themselves for who they are. I don't know why anyone would think they're credible at all, even if you're on the left. Even if you're on the left, wouldn't you want to know wouldn't you want to know about buy-offs, payoffs to the president's family in the tune of millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars? Wouldn't you? The left used to care about corporatism. They used to care about bribery. My gosh, how many clean government organizations were started just to investigate the Trump family, not even Donald Trump, but the Trump family? And what they possibly might have been profiting from or hiding from the public. Because they used to care about these things. Clean government, payoffs. Well, I have more to say about this when we come back. But also, again, reminding you, it is your show. 602-508-0960. Anything on your mind we can talk about. a lot here, including what to have for dinner. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. John Dombrowski is the head of Grand Canyon Planning Associates. He joins us to discuss culture and economy this time every day. It is a delight to have him, and his website is grandcanyonplanning.com, which is a fun, upbeat website, just as John is a smart and fun, upbeat guy. Hi, John. How are you today? Fantastic. Thank you for the introduction. Well, you always are so upbeat. You know, I, I... 
surround yourself with um, with people who are upbeat. Mm-hmm. I think it's important. Uh, you know, uh, Robertson Davies, the Canadian uh, the Canadian uh, novelist, said, "Beware the dampers and cynics." And, They'll you only know, bring you down. Yeah, and I would say uh, Dennis Prager, too, on uh, 960 The Patriot, talks about happiness and how that's a choice. It's a choice, and it's a choice, uh, he says, is a moral imperative, mm-hmm. right? That yeah. we have a moral obligation to be happy. I think that's important. Anyway, you embody that very nicely, John. Well, you know I'm a tea drinker. Is that what it is? And today... In seventeen seventy five, three, yep, <laughs> right, three, the Boston yes. Tea Party. I would have loved to have been there. I mean, it would have been iced tea that day in December in Boston. <laughs> you would have loved to have been there, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that would have been fun. Uh, not really. Anyway, do they still teach about that? I don't know. I doubt it. I don't think no. they do very much. I have questions for you. John. Certainly, go you ahead. Have answers. Uh, first, I want to ask you about what uh, 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 Powell said today at the Fed. Sure. But before I do that, just a question. I'm reading these stories about there's a big one in the Wall Street Journal about Coca-Cola and diversity and hiring and management and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I, I am wondering if sometimes some of this is outrunning what most people involved in these companies care about. Do you get a lot of questions from investors? How diverse is their employee range? I'm, I'm just guessing you don't. I'm no. guessing most investors no. don't think about that never sort of thing. Com- it never comes up. Yeah. Ever. Ever. Yeah. Uh, I just, I, it's a, it seems like a dog chasing a tail in many cases. To uh, me. it, it very well could be. Yeah. Uh, but, I, I, yeah, no, I've, I've never. It's not something investors care that much about, is it? No, what they care about is uh, profits of a company, right? And that it's a well-run company and a good co- a company yeah. to be proud of. Generally, yeah. I would think, right? Yeah, I guess not, diver- not scandal-ridden. Diversity is good in a company. It obviously. has its own merits, yes. to be sure. Yes. But the amount of ink spilled about yeah. what these companies are doing seems to be outrunning the amount of interest the public <laughs> has in it. It's mm-hmm. it just a curious. Thing. Even Janet Janet Yellen is touted now to be the first uh, potential Treasury Secretary, right? So uh, female, a female, yes. first female, right? right. Yeah. Does anyone care? I don't think so. I mean, I guess somebody does, but uh, somebody does, mm-hmm. but I don't think most girls age 12, 13, 14 and up when they start thinking about their careers say, "Man, am I proud the head of the Fed is a woman." Mm-hmm. Has what? anyone said that ever? Not yet. Not yet cuz it hasn't happened yet. <laughs> Well, now, now, I, right, okay, all right, you take my point. Yes. Uh, you, I think you take my point. I, I, I can tell you, I, you know, I don't think very many Jewish people said, my gosh, I am so proud that the Secretary of the Treasury is Jewish. That really means something to me. Well, I just don't think so. Talk to me about what Powell did today. Well, and the markets in general today yeah. were kind of flat today, but uh, overall the uh, Fed Chair Powell made a couple of positive comments. Uh, one is, is that we're seeing... Um, an increase for economic outlook for next year, uh, 4.2% growth for 2021, which is positive, as well as uh, it looks here that um, the federal unemployment rate they're expecting next year to be um, 5%, which is amazing considering where we were um, since the pandemic. The uh, experts said two things would not happen this year, Mm -hmm. that we would have a V-shaped recovery and that we would have a vaccine. The experts were wrong on both counts. Exactly right. Yeah. And you, on the other hand, were optimistic, saying it very likely could be the case. Yes. And there uh, are experts and there are experts. mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is here is President Trump still is not getting any 
um, credit, it seems like, for having a vaccine by the end of the year. He had been saying that all along. And they and and, and no one's like, talking about right, that. No, and CNN and Fauci said it's not possible. Right. Three yeah. three or four times in one day. Yeah. Well. Anyway, it should be called the Trump vaccine. I think. Well, Marcus did generally, uh, you know, a flat day today for the markets overall. But uh, Fed Chair Powell also talked about the Fed is going to maintain their uh, low interest rate uh, policy right now. So no change on interest rates as well. Nice. Which is a positive. Nice. Securities you. and advisory services offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of Finran Sipic and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you so much. You know what's that. interesting yeah. about, you know, I think you and I sometimes look at the same site for history today in history. Yeah. Probably. One of them was that Andrew Young was nominated by Jimmy Carter to be the ambassador to the U.N. on this day in 19-whatever, 77, 78. Mm-hmm. That's not interesting. That's I, not interesting at all. What's interesting, and they don't tell you, is that he was forced to resign the job because he broke the law. Yeah. That's well, I, not on this day in history. I though. didn't even hear That's about that. That's why you too. Yeah, I don't remember that. Okay, brother. Okay. God love you. <laughs> bye bye. Bye. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Can I stay with that one story? I know it's a little blasty from the past. Andrew Young, it, it is interesting because it triggered a bunch of memories. Um, what was at one time not tolerated is now just a rigour, a regular fare, coin of the realm for the Democratic Party. So I'm reading from a 1978, excuse me, 1979 Washington Post piece about Andrew Young resigning from the Carter White House. Andrew Young is an African-American um, uh, friend of Jimmy Carter's from Georgia, mayor, uh, and he was Jimmy Carter's ambassador to the United Nations. Listen to this. Listen to this. It's a story about Andrew Young resigning. Um In just five months on the job, Young had become a controversial figure for his off-the-cuff comments about how Cuban troops were a stabilizing force in Angola, how the British, the Russians, the Swedes, and the people of the New York City borough of Queens were racists, and now he was summoned by the president after telling Playboy magazine that Richard Nixon and Gerald Ford were, in fact, racists. The last straw came seeking his resignation for having an unauthorized meeting with the Palestine Liberation Organization and then lying to the State Department about it. All of that was intolerable in 1979. All of that kind of thing in a Democratic administration, Jimmy Carter's Democratic Party administration of all things. Today, it's just normal coin of the realm for the Democrats, isn't it? All of those things, indiscriminately calling people racists, praising Cuba, and of course, of course, the question of the PLO or the Palestinian cause. I I take you to uh, Barton Swaim's column today in the Wall Street Journal because this is playing out in Georgia again, Georgia, where Andy Young and Jimmy Carter are from. It's playing out again because Raphael Warnock who is the pastor at Ebenezer Baptist Church, who's running for Senate for the Democratic Party. That's the same church Martin Luther King Jr. had his pulpit at. What a difference between Warnock and King. Talk about two Democratic parties from that of what was tolerable from 1979 to what's tolerable today. How about talk about two different churches, what, was to- what, what Martin Luther King stood for versus what Raphael Warnock 
stood for. In the Wall Street Journal today, Barton Swain um, is going into what Raphael Warnock believes about Israel. In a 2018 sermon after a trip to Israel, Mr. Warnock remarked, quote, I saw nonviolent Palestinian protesters shot down and killed this week as birds of prey by the state of Israel while we were giving lip service to peace, peace. When there is no peace, he went on. What we saw in Israel this week was wrong. When I see nonviolent Palestinian young folks fighting for their basic dignity and humanity and they're told to be silent and just die quietly, for me to stand up for them makes me no more anti-Semitic than it makes me anti-white to say black lives matter. There are three problems with this kind of talk. The first, that it's a tautological fallacy and empirically false. Young Palestinian men brandishing weapons and lunging at Israeli soldiers and civilians are not, quote-unquote, nonviolent protesters. And Mr. Warnock didn't see any nonviolent protesters shot down as birds of prey, whatever that means. The second problem um, is that the claim lends itself to charges of anti-Semitism. There are poor downtrodden people all over the world, but proponents of progressive transnationalism mainly talk about only one group, namely Palestinian Arabs, whom they tendentiously portray as passive victims and whose violent aggressions they systematically ignore or de-emphasize. Why are radicals like Mr. Warnock so determined in defiance of reason and evidence to represent Israeli Jews as persecutors? And third, more practical problem with Mr. Warnock's denunciations is that most Americans and almost certainly most Democrats don't accept the premise that the Jewish state's security policies are racist and immoral. Most American voters are grown-ups who can appreciate the gravity of the challenge posed by terrorism. Mr. Warnock sounds as though he can't. Um, by the way, after the Six-Day War, Martin Luther King himself gave a sermon praising Israel. I mean, that's another fall and how great it was to see Israel succeed in a territory, in an area, in a geography so riven by no civil rights. For the umpteenth time has to be said, if you are an Arab living in the Middle East, there is no country that gives you more civil rights than Israel. Not one. Martin Luther King understood that even in 1967. Even in 1967, he understood that. But anyway, what got Andy Young fired is now just general fair in the Democratic Party. That's itself kind of an interesting thought when we say it's not the same Democratic Party. No, it is not. No, it is not. That Joe Biden, Joe Biden, goes to Georgia to campaign for Raphael Warnock, you know, again, tells you that the thesis I've maintained, there's not much difference in the Democratic Party between the far left and its leadership. I, I think these, these stories, begging, begging pardon from my friend Brandon Weikert, who disagrees with me on this, these stories that there are these fissures and divisions that are going to be really interesting to watch, past the popcorn kind of stuff in the Democratic Party, I just don't think they're there. If they were, Joe Biden wouldn't be supporting a radical like Raphael Warnock. Nancy Pelosi wouldn't be endorsing the squad and sending them money when they had primary challenges from the moderate wings of the party because the moderate wing of the party doesn't exist. It's not there anymore.
when Joe Biden says, do I look like a socialist? That's ex- take him seriously. That's the point. He doesn't look like what we think of as a socialist. He's not young and he doesn't speak radically. He speaks stumblingly like an old man of the Senate. But it's the look that he cares about that matters. It's the appearance. The truth is his policies, the people he supports, the people he endorses, the people he sees that his party gives money to, the people he welcomes into his administration, the people who are going to suffuse the 4,000 appointees, political appointments in the White House, in the executive branch of the government. They are. They are all that way. And how do you explain Kamala Harris, his choice for vice president? He had a lot of choices for vice president. A lot. He didn't exactly need California. And yet there he is picking the most left-wing member of the Senate. More left-wing by voting than Bernie Sanders. This division business is baloney. It's baloney. They're all that way. They are all that way. If you uh, didn't get a chance to uh, come on yesterday, they were on hold because we ran out of time. Give us a call back. It's your show today, 602-508-0960. By that, I mean no guests. Just a couple thoughts. Following up on what I said, even about Ebenezer Baptist Church in Atlanta, the difference between what Martin Luther King and Raphael Warnock represent. So Raphael Warnock believes Israel is an apartheid state using the worst, one of the worst forms of uh, slander against the country to engage something that did affect the black people in South Africa, obviously, and was a horrible policy. But to apply it to Israel is just stupid because it's wrong. Here's, here's Martin Luther King in 1968, after the Six-Day War, by the way, a year after the Six-Day War, Okay. Peace for Israel means security, and we must stand with all our might to protect her right to exist, its territorial integrity, and the right to use whatever sea lanes it needs. Israel is one of the great outposts of democracy in the world and a marvelous example of what can be done, how desert land can be transformed into an oasis of brotherhood and democracy. Peace for Israel means security, and that security must be a reality. Close quote. That's Dr. Martin Luther King in 1968. How about this? When people criticize Zionists, they mean Jews. You're talking anti-Semitism. Also, King in 1968. Now it's just general fair to do the exact opposite in the A, Democratic Party, and B, in Raphael Warnock's church that used to be Martin Luther King Jr.'s church. This is the fall. This is the fall of, of, of the party and the fall of truth, quite frankly. The folks at issue. Uh, let me move on. The folks at issues and insights really write great editorials. They used to be at the in- Investors Business Daily, and it's one of the great websites. In- issues Insights, um, and they have a really powerful essay that I thought would be good for us to explore, titled "This Is Not America." This is not America. And I guess it goes to a little bit of what I was saying earlier in the hour of things that have changed practically overnight or in the blink of an eye where we we, we wake up not really recognizing things we used to recognize, uh, the American character, the American culture, um, the American um, uh, thirst, love uh, 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 for 
fairness, never mind freedom, uh, bravery, uh, liberty, all of it, not being cowards. There's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. I'm going to talk to you at the top of the next hour about what they write. This is not America. I'll go through it with you. Because it seems to me if we conservatives and Republicans have a calling right now, it may not be to make America great again. It may be to make America America again. I'm Seth. We'll be right back. 602-508-0960. Love to hear from you.